0: Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. We as Catholics are very familiar with those sacred words Jesus spoke at the Last Supper This is my body, this is my blood. We hear these words all the time in the Mass, but what if we had never heard those words before? What if we were one of the 12 apostles gathered at the Last Supper? and we heard Jesus say those things for the very first time. What would those words have meant to us? That's what I want to do. I want to take us back into a time machine. I want to take us back to that first Mass, that first Eucharist there at the Last Supper in Jerusalem, and put ourselves in the shoes of Peter and James and John, and consider what those very important words would have meant to us if we were Jews in the first century, because they're going to tell us so much about our belief and devotion to the Eucharist and to the Mass. And this is going to be the first of a a mini three-part series I'm going to be doing all on the Eucharist, and it's going to be focused on the three main aspects of the Eucharist. Do you know what those are? Do you know the three main aspects of the Eucharist? Every Catholic should know this. This is what was passed on through our tradition throughout the centuries, and many times today... We've lost sight of these three things. Do you know about the Mass as sacrifice? Do you know about the Eucharist as real presence? And thirdly, do you know about the Eucharist as Holy Communion? These are the three things I'm going to be looking at over the next three episodes. And in today's episode, I'm going to focus on that first point, the Mass as sacrifice. And I want to tell you a story. I remember when I was a kid growing up, I, I went to a Catholic school in the suburbs of Chicago, and I remember hearing these announcements about the holy sacrifice of the mass. And I might hear an announcement on the loudspeaker at this Catholic school. The holy sacrifice of the mass will begin at eight thirty today. And I remember the feeling in awe and wonder, ooh, the mass is a sacrifice. But I also didn't quite understand what that really meant, because I remember in my religion classes, the the teacher talking to us about the Old Testament. I remember, I think it was sixth grade, I'm taking this Old Testament class, uh, and and you would hear all about the sacrifices of the high priest Aaron in the book of Leviticus, and there would be these bulls and calves offered up, and there'd be smoke and blood being poured out on altars. and, And I would go to Mass, and I couldn't understand why the Mass was called a sacrifice, because it didn't look anything like that. There was no blood being poured out. There were no knives coming out. Out and animals offered up on the altar. It seemed pretty tame compared to what I was reading about in my Old Testament sacrifice class. Uh, but what, what was the Mass all about, really? Why is it called a sacrifice? I want to unpack this for us. This is so important. If you want to grow in sacrificial love, you need to understand the mass of sacrifice if you're a married person and you want to live your marriage better you want to be a better husband you want to be a better wife you want to love generously you need to go to the source of all love and that is in the mass the mass of sacrifice if you're a young person a single single person you're someone who uh, again wants to grow in the spiritual life you want to grow in prayer grow in your devotion to Jesus and become more like him you need to go to the mass and understand the Mass as sacrifice so that Christ's sacrificial love can change you, so it can transform you. That's why this topic today is so important. The Catholic Church describes the Mass as the, as the source and summit of the Christian life. That's what the Eucharist really is. And, and we're going to see today just why the Mass is called a sacrifice and how much it, has, it makes a difference in our daily spiritual lives. So, Let's let's go back in that time machine now. Are you ready? We're going we're to go back to that first century world. And I want you to imagine being one of those 12 apostles. Now, uh, Jesus tells the apostles on that day to go prepare for the Passover. Uh, let's think about this. The, the first mass, the Eucharist, was instituted. In the context, not of any ordinary meal, but in the context of a Passover meal, the Passover was one of the chief feasts of the Jewish tradition. Uh, this was that fi- that that day that they celebrated every year, where they remembered. Uh, that founding event in their history, that night when they escaped from Egypt, they were liberated from slavery and they started out toward the Red Sea and toward the Promised Land. Now, uh, if you remember that fateful night, that was when the Jews had to, in the Book of Exodus, they were called by God to take a lamb, sacrifice the lamb, and take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorposts, and they would eat this meal of this lamb, this Passover meal, in in haste. And on that night, the angel of death passed over all the houses uh, of, of the faithful Jews that celebrated this, this, this ritual, and they were spared the great punishment that night when the firstborn sons in Egypt had died. Now, every year after that foundational event in their history, on that same calendar day, the 14th day of, of the month Nisan of the Jewish calendar, the Jews would reenact that meal. They would go and they, they would grab, they, they'd get a lamb, they'd have it sacrificed, uh, and they would reenact that that meal and eat that lamb uh, to remember that founding Passover event. But they didn't just reenact this meal. They also retold the story of this meal. They retold the story of that first exodus, that first Passover night. But they didn't just retell it. They didn't just reenact it. The third key and most crucial thing that they did is they celebrated this meal as a memorial. They celebrated it as a liturgical memorial. Now, this is so important here. I really want to make sure you understand what a memorial is in the Bible. You see, today in the United States, we have many different Uh, holidays throughout the year where we remember certain things like Thanksgiving and the Pilgrims, where we have Memorial Day, where we remember those who've gone before us, especially those who've died in battle. Uh, We have the 4th of July coming up here, where we remember uh, the founding of our country and Independence Day. And so we have these various memories of the past. But for the Jewish people in sacred scripture, when they celebrated a certain ritual as a memorial, They didn't just remember the past. The the idea of a memorial meant to make the past event present. That's what a biblical memorial is, to make the past present. And so... Uh, this is uh, the, the brings to mind the idea of uh, that you find in Scripture in the New Testament. Anamnesis is this idea here of, of memorial to make present. Translating the Hebrew uh, zikaron. Once again, not just remembering the past but making the past present. So, for example, if we were to celebrate. The 4th of July, Independence Day, as not just an American memorial, but as a biblical memorial, the way the Jews would have celebrated their feasts, you wouldn't just have a parade and a barbecue in your backyard. You would probably have a solemn reenactment of that founding event of our country. You might pull out the Declaration of Independence and have a solemn proclamation of that document, and then every person would reenact that 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 ritual they would actually maybe sign their names on the dotted line there with you know, alongside all the other great founding leaders of our country. Uh, so there would be a reenactment of that past event. But it wasn't just a retelling of the past event. It wasn't just a reenactment of that past event. We would believe as we went through this memorial that our founding fathers were mystically present with us, that as we went through this ritual, Thomas Jefferson and John Hancock and all the founding fathers were, were spiritually present to us, and we were at one with them at the founding of our country. That's how the Jews celebrated Passover. Every year in Jesus' day, they would celebrate the Passover. They retold the story of the Passover. They reenacted it. But celebrating it as a memorial, they believed that that past event of that first Passover was made present to them. We believe that They, they believed that uh, there was one rabbi that described uh, every year when we celebrate the Passover, he said, it's as if we are walking out of Egypt. It's as if we ourselves are one with the founding fathers of, of our history, he's basically saying. That we're walking out of Egypt with, a- with Moses and Aaron and Joshua and all those other Israelites in the Exodus story. It was a way to make the past event present to the, to the current generation so they could participate in that. So, my friends, I keep this background in mind. This is so important to understand the background of the Passover for understanding the Last Supper. Now... Are you ready to walk into that upper room? Let's do that. Let's imagine Jesus has said, go prepare the Passover, and you'd be so excited to go celebrate the Passover ritual. You go into the room, and here we have uh, the, the Passover ritual being celebrated, but there would be something that would be a little bit strange. If you were a Jew in the first century and you heard the story, the New Testament account of the Passover ritual Jesus is celebrating, there is something very strange going on here. You see, there's no mention of the main course of the Passover meal. What's the main course of the Passover meal? It's, it's the Passover lamb, right? You take a lamb, you sacrifice it, just like the Israelites did in the book of Exodus. But yet, when you read the account from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and St. Paul's account in First Corinthians, they all give an account of the Last Supper. There's no mention of a lamb. And that would be surprising for us as readers in the first century. We'd be wondering, well, why, why didn't they mention the lamb? I mean, to celebrate the Passover without a lamb, you know, that that's that's like celebrating Thanksgiving without football. Not oh, just kidding. <laughs> it's like celebrating Thanksgiving without the, the Thanksgiving turkey, right? It just seems strange. And yet If you observe carefully the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul of the Last Supper, you'll see that actually there is a lamb there. It's subtle, but listen to these words. Jesus says this, he says, this is my body. This is my blood. I want us to understand these words the way those first apostles would have understood them in their first century Jewish context. When you hear about body and blood automatically as a Jew in the first century, you'd be thinking about sacrifice, some kind of sacrifice taking place, because that's what happened. A body, would, uh, the blood would be, of the animal would be separated from the body of the animal. That was a part of the sacrifice. And then when you hear Jesus specifically say, this is my body which is being offered up for you. That's technical language taken right out of Scripture uh, related to sacrifice. It's all describing the animals that were offered up in sacrifice. The body of the animals offered up and Jesus is saying now his body is being offered up. Same thing when Jesus says, This is the cup of my blood which is being poured out for the forgiveness of sins. That's another important point here because Jesus' blood is being compared to the blood of the animals animals that were offered up and sacrificed, the blood that was poured out. You would take the blood of the animal and pour it out over the altar in the temple. And so notice, Jesus is taking all the language from the temple system of his day, the sacrificial language describing the Passover lamb being sacrificed. He's talking about body and blood. He's talking about his body being offered up, his blood being poured out. He's basically saying his body is now the sacrificial lamb. His body is being offered up. Like the lambs in sacrifice, his blood is being poured out over the altar, just like the Passover lamb would have its, its, its blood being poured out over the altar. Jesus is talking about a sacrifice. He's not talking about the sacrifice of some animal, though. He's describing his own body and blood in terms of a sacrifice. He is the new Passover lamb. That's the beauty of these stories. They bring out this point that there is a lamb that's being highlighted in the New Testament accounts of the Last Supper. It's not the Passover lamb out there. It's Jesus. Jesus is the new Passover lamb. His body is being offered up. His blood is being poured out now. But at the end of this meal, and here's here's the most important part for us to understand. He says, do this as a memorial of me. Do this as a memorial of me. Now there's that biblical key word, that liturgical word memorial. Remember, what does memorial mean? Make present. Memorial, a memorial Jewish memorial, biblical memorial memorial, makes present that foundational event. And so, just like the Jews celebrated Passover year after year as a memorial, and they believed that when they did that, the, that Moses and Aaron and the foundational event of that first Passover in the Exodus was made present to them, so now Jesus, as he's instituting the new covenant, he says, celebrate this ritual here, this Last Supper. Celebrate this as a memorial. In other words, make this present. Make what present? Make present the offering of my body and of my blood. This is such a beautiful point here my friends. Here at the last supper Jesus is talking about his body and blood being offered up and being poured out like a lamb. We know that 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 is fulfilled, right? At the at, at on the next day on Calvary when he offers up his body on the cross and his blood is poured out for us for the forgiveness of sins. He is indeed the new Passover lamb. And yet here at the end of the of the ritual at the last supper he commands the apostles, "Do this as a memorial of me." in other words make this present make what present make present this sacrifice of my body and my blood make present this offering of my blood make pres- uh, my my body make present this uh, this this shedding this pouring out of my blood on the altar make this present this is what he's he's t- commanding the apostles to do and that's why the mass is described as a sacrifice Because every time we go to Mass, that sacrifice of Jesus, the offering of his body and blood, is made present to us mystically, spiritually. Uh, It's not a bloody sacrifice. It's not about re-sacrificing Jesus all over again. But as the Catechism of the Catholic Church explains, it's about a re-presentation of Christ's one sacrifice. It's a making present of the one true sacrifice of Jesus as a memorial. Just as the Jews celebrated their Passover as a memorial, making present that foundational event in their history, Jesus commands the apostles in the New Covenant era to make present the foundational event of our new covenant relationship with God, his offering of his body and blood on the cross. And so this is why the mass is a sacrifice. Think of it this way. Every time we go to mass, it's as if we go to Calvary. Or maybe another way of thinking of it is this. Every time we go to mass, Calvary is made present to us. We become like the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. John, the beloved disciple, uh, and those women who were there with Jesus As he was dying on Good Friday, the mystery of Good Friday is mystically made present to us so that we can enter into it. And here's the practical point of all of this. This sacrifice of Jesus, he wants that sacrifice to be made present to us over and over and over again so that we can enter into it, so it can change us, it can transform our hearts. That's why the Catechism, Article number 1368, says that every time we go to Mass, we should offer up all of our works, all of our joys, all of our sufferings in union with Jesus. Do you do that? When you go to Mass, especially at those words of consecration, do you give Jesus your heart? Do you give Him your whole life? Do you tell Jesus, Jesus, I give you everything right now. I give you all these joys from this last week. I give you all the the, the good work I was trying to do for you and for your kingdom. Uh, I I give you all of my sufferings, the difficulties, the trials I'm going through. I I offer my entire life to you. We really want to do this because here's the key. Um, Is there any listener out there who wants to? To grow in love, in sacrificial love? Is there any listener out there who thinks they have an area of their lives where they could be more Christ-like, maybe in their marriage or their parenting or their friends or their parish and, and where we or, or even just their most fundamentally their relationship with God where we can live more Christ-like sacrificial love? Of course we all have that. So there are many ways for us to grow in sacrificial love. We can do this through prayer we do this through reading scripture we do this through the other sacraments and, and throw a lot of effort on our end but the most important place that we can go to if we want to be changed in our hearts and go grow in sacrificial love the most important place we can go to is the mass the holy sacrifice of the Mass, because there we encounter sacrificial love himself. Jesus Christ on Calvary, Jesus Christ at the Last Supper, offering up his body and his blood. Perfect love, offering himself up in sacrifice. Perfect love is made present to us, most especially in the Mass, in his perfect total gift of himself his perfect total sacrificial love wants to change our hard hearts those areas in our hearts where we're just selfish or we're lazy or we're proud that that jesus just wants to change that he wants to heal us he wants to transform us and he can do that all throughout our lives in many different settings but the most powerful place where we're going to be changed is in the liturgy So the next time we go to Mass, especially at those words of consecration, that's why many times, many parishes have the altar server ringing a bell at that moment to kind of wake us up, to get ready to realize this is an important moment here. This is the time to offer Jesus everything. This is the time to encounter his love so that it can change us. Let's go to the Mass and beg Jesus to change our hearts, to transform those weak areas, those selfish areas with his very sacrificial love love that is made present to us as a biblical memorial. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in memory of me. That's the biblical understanding of memorial. Christ's sacrifice made present to us so it could change us. Well, my friends, if this has been helpful, I want to invite you to take a look at a book I wrote all on the Mass. It's called The Biblical Walk Through the Mass, Understanding What We Say and Do in the Liturgy. And in the opening chapter, I walk through these three key aspects of the Eucharist. Every Catholic, should know these three key aspects of the Eucharist, and we should pass them on to our children, pass them on to our friends. What are those three things? We just looked at the Mass as sacrifice, the Eucharist as sacrifice. Next episode, we're going to be talking about the Eucharist as real presence. And then in the third episode, we're going to talk about the Eucharist as communion, as a biblical communion meal and what that really means for our lives today. So I hope this has been helpful. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast, please write a review. If you haven't done so already, I'm very grateful for the many people that have done that. Please write a review and share it with others. And if you have any questions, you can reach me on Facebook or Twitter or on my website, edwardsri.com. God bless.